Hey lunatics, you're listening to Let the Meat Grass, a podcast exploring real food, broken ecosystems, and a better way to live. I'm Austin Williams, your farmer and podcast host. Before I began farming, I was a public school teacher who had grown up in the suburbs of St. Louis. And if you were like me, you had no idea what was real or who to trust when it came to our food. If you're listening to this podcast, there's a chance you've begun to doubt what huge food corporations are trying to sell you is as healthy as it's cracked up to be. And for good reason. I'm dedicating this show to you, the lunatics, the crazies, who have chosen to opt out, to stray beyond the safe and familiar confines of grocery store walls to support a farmer. And not just any farmer, but a farmer whose mission is to heal the land and nourish the people. You see, conventional farms are dying. We've been losing farmers for well over a century now. When 100% of us eat and only 1% of us farm, we have a math problem. Help me do the math by sticking around, listening closely, and voting with your forks to support real food. See you soon. Diets are a dime a dozen. I get it. I hadn't given much thought to them before I became a farmer, but now I hear about them all the time. Our customers always have a story about food they share with us when we drop off their food. Right now, the most popular diet is definitely the keto diet. And if you haven't already heard about it, the keto diet is basically a rebranded Adkins diet from about 15 years ago. I think millennials like it because it sounds cooler. It places a higher emphasis on fat and a lower emphasis on protein, all the while eliminating carbs. But I'm not here to diss the keto diet, or any diet for that matter. Different strokes for different folks. But diets are kind of like art. What's in this year is out next year. And what was in 15 years ago, but forgotten since, like the Atkins diet, gets rebranded and obsessed over this year. When diets become predictably cyclical, you start to feel like they're all fads. And maybe they are, I'll admit that much. Excluding certain categories of food from your diet seems arbitrary and binding. What's exciting at first begins to chafe before not too long, and you find yourself lingering longer and longer by the potato chip aisle at the grocery store. What began in a burst of idealism in hundreds of dollars ends with brownies and whipped cream. Some of our customers go through what seems like a different diet every two weeks. They get bored and switch. All the while, you gotta wonder what the effect of all this change is on your body. I don't know about you, but my body thrives best under consistency. If I go to bed around 8.30 every night for at least three nights... I feel supercharged with energy in the morning. It's really hard to keep that up and have any semblance of a social life. But that's reality. It even works with our animals. If I condition our dairy cows to expect fresh grass after every milking, after a few days their milk production will increase. I think any diet should at its core promote consistency in our chaotic lives. About a year ago, I had an incredibly consistent diet, but in the worst possible way. My body knew exactly what it was going to get every day, and that was quesadillas and potato chips. I never thought of myself as overweight, but looking back at pictures of myself, I definitely had stores of fat around my waist. 
I was 175 pounds from the time I graduated college through my first and only year of teaching. So when my wife and I moved back to Missouri, we knew something had to change. And considering we were joining a pasture-based farm, we felt more than a little hypocritical eating the junk we were used to. So we decided to take the paleo approach. If you don't already know, the paleo diet is a determination to eat food that looks like food. Pretty basic, right? If a caveman could find it, you should eat it. So while you may shy away from bread, you're totally cool with sweet potatoes. It's less about excluding certain food groups and more about eating higher quality versions of the same foods you've already been eating. And I didn't know it at the time, but I think that's precisely why it works. I never feel like I'm failing if I have some food that isn't on the plan. We made paleo cookie batter before out of really high quality ingredients. The sticking point is that we made it and didn't buy it pre-processed. We noticed that with our determination to eat foods that look like food, carbs and sugar basically disappeared from our pantry. It wasn't something that felt artificially excluded, but a natural extension of other choices we were making. I often tell people that if you don't try to make food choices, the diet that gets chosen for you is carbs and sugar. It's incredible to notice how ubiquitous these two food groups are. These two food groups comprise the standard American diet, or SAD for short. Get it? The SAD diet is really pronounced in both urban and rural areas. I've worked in East St. Louis for many summers, and I can tell you that basically the only food options for its residents are gas stations and fast food restaurants. Surprisingly, now that I live in Boonville, Missouri, the situation isn't much better. 90% of what the local grocery stores carry are processed, sugary, and convenient. Believe it or not, Walmart actually has higher quality food than the local competitors. Everyone's on some kind of diet. Either you choose one or it gets chosen for you. I want to offer you another way. It's an improvement on both the sad diet and the paleo diet. And it works because it has more impressive goals than just eliminating stubborn belly fat. It's flexible, forgivable, and ecologically justifiable. I call it the stewardship diet. Looking back over the past year, I'd say we only hit the paleo mark 70 to 80% of the time. We never tried to be totally paleo because we flat out refuse to be food snobs. So whenever we're with friends and family, we eat whatever is offered to us. And the diet we formed wasn't strictly paleo either. We get raw milk from our grass-fed dairy herd, and technically dairy isn't paleo. But the health benefits of raw milk were just too numerous to pass it up. Caven might not have understood how to milk a wild bison, but we're taking advantage of domesticated animals. We also realized that eating paleo doesn't mean you actually heal the earth. You can eat food that looks like food and non-hypocritically buy conventional meat and row crop vegetables. The paleo diet falls short of our food philosophy because it doesn't take production into account when considering what to eat. So after looking at what we've eaten for the past year, I want to give a name to our diet. The stewardship diet. The point of the stewardship diet is to heal the earth with every bite. Naturally, food that heals the earth is also healing for you. Processed, sugary, and artificial food doesn't heal the earth. That gets created in factories. Food that heals the earth would first and foremost be beef. If you listen to the last episode, beef is the backbone of our farm. 
beef animals clean up fields that just get picked on by our sheep and chickens. They reset the grass completely, giving all the species of grass an equal playing field to compete on. Buying meat is not enough on the stewardship diet. You need to buy meat from animals raised on pasture, rotationally grazed, and moved frequently. Farms with multi-species diversity that mimics nature are even better. If you can buy lamb, beef, and chicken from a pasture-based farm, you would better believe that that's one good-looking farm. Forgiveness is a huge part of the stewardship diet. You can't possibly follow the diet perfectly without becoming a food snob. Friendships and family are great reasons to break the diet for a day. And after all, if your friends and families get interested in why you eat what you eat, that could potentially be more people who make an effort to heal the earth with every bite. Since coming back to Missouri and following a rough stewardship diet with an emphasis on beef, chicken, raw milk, sweet potatoes, strawberries, and bananas, I am consistently clocking in at 155 pounds. Just yesterday, I noticed that I have abs, and I always grew up thinking you could only get those by working out of the gym. Booey. I just feel physically way better now than I did on a sad diet. About the only part of me that doesn't feel better is my wallet. Probably the only downside of the stewardship diet is the reality that it will be more expensive than a sad, keto, or paleo diet. Before we switch to a stewardship diet, our monthly budget for groceries averaged about $150. You can make a heck of a lot of quesadillas when you buy the five-pound bag of cheese. And potato chips don't seem like they cost a lot, until you convert the price into what you're actually paying per pound. Now, our grocery budget has tripled to around $450. High-quality food is just more expensive, period. There's no way around it. If I can do my part in healing the land, it's worth it. I'm also paying the true cost of producing the food. When you buy cheap meat from the grocery store, you're actually just taking advantage of the government's subsidies to corn farmers. Those artificially drive down the price of corn, which then gets sold to CAFOs, or confinement animal feeding operations. The cows eat corn only because it's cheap, not because they were meant to or anything. The only way the government's able to provide those subsidies are because you, yes you, are a tax-paying citizen. So even though the meat seems cheap, you're really just getting a nearly invisible tax on the front end that becomes a visibly cheap buy on the back end. If you don't believe what I'm saying about the stewardship diet, I want you to meet my wife, Kelly. It was only a matter of time before she appeared on here, and I felt like this would be good subject material for her to cover. So, would all of you please join me in a raucous round of applause to welcome her onto the show? yourself to our listeners? Yeah, um, I'm Kelly. I'm Austin's wife. And I help out on the farm most of the time. And I'm also a soon-to-be mom. That sounds so stupid. <laughs> <laughs> it's always going to sound stupid the first time. That sounds really stupid. So, Kelly, uh, in a few words, describe and summarize the standard American diet, or SAD for short. I think it's a hilarious acronym. Yeah. um, I think I could probably do it in 
about three words. I would say the standard American diet is processed, sugar added, and convenient. Uh, for example, one of the things that really gets my goat is peanut butter. If you've ever looked at the ingredients list of a standard peanut butter, there is so much more than just peanuts. Um, for example, sugar, for whatever reason, they add sugar into peanut butter. Um, not to mention just all the preservatives, whatever chemicals they add in so that the peanut butter doesn't separate from the oil and all those things. You know, I think it's pretty safe to say that we had a sad diet before we switched to our current stewardship diet. What do you feel like has been the most obvious change in our house? Well, I think first and foremost, we stopped buying a lot of the processed pre-made foods. Um, our pantry is just so vastly different. It's a lot more colorful, a lot more whole foods. Um, another thing that has changed is we have to budget a lot more money for our groceries. Um, and we also have to uh, take a lot more time to prepare our food because nothing's been processed and nothing's been pre-made. We have to make it all ourselves. Yeah, it's, it's definitely been some pretty radical changes in the way that we've eaten. What do you feel like has been the ways that our shopping habits have changed? Yeah, for me, when I'm at the grocery store, I spend a lot more time shopping. And the reason for that is, you know, I'm the person that will stand in an aisle looking at a section for, you know, a full 15 minutes because I'm comparing every single brand, every single ingredients list, and every single price as well because we also try to save money where we can. Uh, another thing is we don't settle for certain products. So a lot of times when we're grocery shopping, we will actually have to go to different stores to get everything we need um, because a lot of the, the products that we're buying now just aren't common enough, aren't in demand enough to be found at your local Walmart. Absolutely. Yeah, it's been, it's a little bit frustrating to have to go to all these different places, but it's worth it when you consider that, you know, we only have one body, so we might as well treat it well. Um, and the reason why we're going to all these grocery stores um, to find all this different food is because we've chosen a specific diet to follow. And we are calling that diet the stewardship diet. The closest thing to the stewardship diet that people have probably heard of is the paleo diet. And they are very similar. Uh, but if you had to articulate the differences, what would you say the similarities 
and differences are between the stewardship diet and the paleo diet? Yeah, starting with uh, similarities, I would say the big one is just the concept of whole foods. Um, We like to buy food that looks like the food that it was originally grown and produced to be. Um, And also just the idea that we mainly consume foods that, you know, like the quote, caveman had access to. Um, The differences, though, is we really try to focus on the quality of the products that we're buying. So, for example, you can be paleo eating, you know, meat and potatoes. But, you know, the potatoes could be grown on a conventional farm and the, you know, ground beef that you're eating can be raised in a CAFO, raised on grain, raised with antibiotics and hormones, all that garbage. So when we're buying our products, we focus on, well, specifically our grass-fed and pasture-raised food. But we also like to buy organic and non-GMO and also local when we can. So yeah, just really focusing on the quality of food. Another difference is um, in paleo, you can't consume dairy. But we have dairy cows and we very much like our milk. So we consume dairy. Oh, I I love our milk. (laughs) I absolutely enjoy every last drop of our milk. So how often would you estimate that we actually follow our diet on a weekly basis? And what's one of the rules that we have for food that gets offered to us that's would otherwise not have been part of our diet? For sure. Uh, well, to start, we're not perfect. So I would say we're probably following our diet 75% of the time. Um, you know, there, there are certain foods that I still buy that don't meet that high-quality local organic standard. Um, I will admit that. And we also have, you know, friends and family members that don't subscribe to the same diet as we do. And so if, you know, if we're at a friend's house and they've cooked us dinner, you know, we're not sitting there looking at that burger that they just cooked for us and ask, well, is this grass-fed? Well, I'm not going to eat it unless it is. Where'd you get these buns? Are they, you know, <laughs> organic buns? I don't know. So we just don't want to be a jerk about it. We we accept uh, foods that have been cooked for us graciously. Um, but there's just, when it comes to the food that we choose to bring home and cook at home, we try to stick to our principles. Absolutely. Yeah, There's there are months that, go by where we only survive that month because of the generosity of other people offering us food that we that we, we run out of money or something and we need to supplement it from uh from free food that we find being passed around that's true um so and that um 
this pretty well describes our diet. This last uh, piece is it's really about um, kind of like what the whole goal of the diet of the diet is, and um, the goal of the stewardship diet, much like the paleo diet, it really attempts to promote the growth of beneficial bacteria in the gut by eating the real food. And Kelly, you have quite the experience with gut problems. I was wondering if you could tell us a little bit about those gut problems and um, how conventional medicine attempted to solve it and then how you solved it. Oh, yeah. Oof, Hey, lunatics. Before you listen to Kelly tell the next part of her story, I just wanted you to know that I'm not saying that diets are going to solve all your problems, or even most of your problems. Diets are one tool of many that you can use to achieve that better life that we're all looking for. However, I think that diets are incredibly overlooked in the Western Hemisphere in favor of Western medicine. I think that diets are what make us who we are, right? We are what we eat. So be thinking about that as you listen to Kelly's story and the different ways that we tried to get that healing that she so desperately needed. Well, hmm, to start, I guess we'll have to go back to when I was 18 years old Uh, For people that don't know, I'm only 22, so it wasn't that long ago. Um, But when I was 18, I began to struggle with a lot of problems that seemingly had no cause. So, for example, I had uh, anxiety, often dealt with depression, uh, brain fog, mood swings, and also acne and fatigue extreme fatigue, I'll specify. Um, And so from years, you know, 18 to 20, I just basically ignored the problems. But after I married you, I really came to terms with the fact that I needed to fix these problems. Um, Also with a baby on the way, all these things that I just didn't want to have to deal with anymore. And so I went on this health journey of my own, trying to find solutions. So I started with counseling, I read self-help books, and nothing really seemed to be helping. I just felt like I was very stuck. And so I was doing a lot of research just on Google, what I had access to, And I came to this thing called candida, which is basically a yeast overgrowth in your gut. And it really accounted for pretty much every symptom that I had, which was kind of mind-blowing and really exciting. And so I decided to go to a doctor to um, see if I can get this diagnosis and see if I can get help. But it basically came down to they just wanted to prescribe me antidepressants, which I was not at that point yet. I felt like 
the depression was a symptom of a problem and I wanted to address the problem. And so that was pretty discouraging. But after that, I actually had a friend recommend to me a, another doctor that was in the area and she dealt with alternative medicine. And so I finally got an appointment with her. I told her the whole spiel. I told her my life story. Here's all the symptoms that I have and the theory of candida, that I thought that I had candida. And she basically said, you know, that sounds about right. Let's start looking for it. And to hear that after, you know, four years of just feeling like garbage every day, to finally be told that you're not crazy was awesome. So after, you know, some tests and a little bit of waiting, it came back that I indeed did have candida. I had a yeast overgrowth in my gut and she prescribed me an antifungal medication and I took it for two weeks and, you know, halfway through the medication, I just already felt way better. I had so much more energy. I was sleeping better. My acne was already clearing up. Um, my moods had evened out so much more. And even you, Austin, began to notice that I was feeling better, that I was a different person every day. So I've just been feeling better ever since. Thank you for sharing that story with us. And that's a wrap, so. Hey, Lunatics. If you have any questions or thoughts about this episode or want to sponsor a future one, follow me on Twitter at Missouri Austin or shoot me an email to austin at letthemeatgrass.org. I might even include your question along with my answer at the end of my next episode. If you live in the Missouri area and want to take the next step in radically protecting the health of you and your family, you can buy some of our pasture-raised food at my friend David's website, fedfromthefarm.com. That's F-E-D, fedfromthefarm.com. And use the offer code PDCST, like podcast without the vowels, for $10 off your next order. I am shamelessly promoting this, but since I manage this farm and personally take care of the animals, this is the only operation I can wholeheartedly endorse. We have buying clubs in Kansas City, Columbia, Jeff City, Washington, St. Charles, Chesterfield, and St. Louis that we drive to either once a week or once every two weeks. Don't be strangers. I want to hear from you. If you order food from fedfromthefarm.com, put a note in the comments section that you heard about us through this podcast. I'm attempting something revolutionary here. Due to my city delivery schedule, I would consistently get to meet my subscribers. I would love to swap stories, share laughs, and hear the story of what convinced you to become a lunatic. If I see you a few times, I'll probably even invite you to our farm. We do those tours free of charge. If you really enjoyed this podcast, Subscribe or download it on whatever podcast directory you use. If you're using iTunes and are feeling mighty generous with the next five minutes of your life, please rate it and leave a review. 
The more reviews I get, the better my chances of being featured in the spotlight. And as self-serving as that sounds, the more attention this podcast gets means that I get to improve the production quality for you. Right now, I've managed to keep my entire budget for starting under a hundred bucks. The music, cover art, and sound design have all been done by friends or relatives out of the goodness of their hearts. With your subscriptions and reviews, I can turn this podcast from a bi-weekly to a weekly podcast if I can start generating an income stream. But I'll need sponsors for that. Production assistance was provided by the kissable Kelly Williams. That's my wife. Music was performed by the bodacious Brandon Nelson. If you like Scandinavian folk music, you can find his album Old Yarns by Eloin. That's E-L-O-I-G-N at Bandcamp. Cover art was drawn by the radical Rebecca Rabin. Fact-checking was done by the daring David Boatwright. And sound engineering was done by the jubilant Jeffrey Hook. If you want any of these marvelous people to help you with your projects, just let me know. That's all I have for now. Until next time, how's Saudi? <laughs>